Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. When was the last time you ate at a Perkins Bakery and Restaurant? For me, it was over family trips to Orlando, and with a family of four six-foot-plus boys, I'm sure you could imagine what the table looked like. Today on Marketing Mad Men, we talk to Joe Artimi, CMO of Perkins. We talk about the changes the pandemic forced them to make and some exciting new product launches coming down the road. All that and more today on Marketing Mad Men. They say marketing is a madman's game. So now we turn it over to the Marketing Madman with Nick Constantino and Trip Job. Happy Saturday. Welcome to the Marketing Madman. Trip Job here. And uh, exciting that uh, we've had uh, frequent guest host uh, Nick Constantino of uh, 680 The Fan, Atlanta Braves Radio Network. And uh, Nick, I, I didn't tell you how long the probation was. But uh, it's over. No, Not I'm the so first excited. Time I've been on probation. Yeah, no, we're excited to. Uh, you know, Nick is now going to uh, be uh, the lead here on the marketing Mad Men and with me. And um, I think it's been uh, your your contributions have been fantastic. And uh, I think you continue to just uh, elevate the show. And excited that uh, you're joining full time. Thrilled to be here. Honestly, I really am. I think this is a it's a great medium, and I don't think there's enough of this conversations happening uh, out there. So happy happy to be here. Yeah, no, I mean I think that's that's the key, and it's it's a medium, but it's just it's one piece of what we do, and how we hopefully uh, not only help the listeners out there, but um, that we connect with the community. For and, sure. and you know, speaking of whether it's marketing or sales leaders, business leaders, and you know, how do we talk about pressing needs and issues, and you know, in some cases maybe even their own company and and things that they're dealing with and how they get into the marketplace. And I think that, Nick, with your background, um, you're going to allow us to, to take on even more um, from a uh, you know community and type of companies that we bring in because you and I have a little bit of difference. Mine sure. more B2B, a little more manufacturing industrial background. Why don't you tell uh, the listeners about uh, your not only marketing background but the industries that you've served? Yeah, sure. And I'm going to do it fast because this is, this is about our guest here today. But um, as far as marketing qualifications, uh, the quick version is when I was about 22 years old, I was driving home from San Diego back to New York. I stopped in Vegas and I stayed for seven years. Uh, we started a personal chef company. Very, very new thing to do at that time. Um, with that personal chef company, I cooked at the Sundance Film Festival, the Billboard Music Awards, uh, Les Paul's 90th birthday, the Grammys. So I got my first kind of view of like that celebrity Uber VIP marketing and how different it was. And I remember being at Sundance and just watching these companies just give give bags to these people and my brain at first was like these people can afford anything they want why and why would you possibly be giving them free stuff to then realize how much that influencer scene it wasn't called influencers yet but really started to matter in social media um, from there I started working at a radio station in Vegas um, doesn't sound super sexy but it was an alternative rock station in Vegas is real heyday uh, we ended up broadcasting live from ditch Fridays at the Palms pool every single Friday we set up a radio studio on the top floor and it was just as they were building the Playboy Club I will leave it at that I won't go into too much more detail um, but I had about I'm surprised you didn't end up with the uh, Sacramento Kings and uh, you know the, 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 the famous oh, yeah, yeah exactly uh, oh, I yeah. think that's where all that uh, business started at the uh, the pool up there oh so. it, it it very <laughs> much did uh, but we we had about a two hundred thousand dollar million course budget the total station was maybe billing a million uh, so imagine the kind of money I had to play around with I really fell in love with concerts we did a ton of concerts there um, it really gave me that that view of just how to reach a consumer how to reach that entertainment minded uh, people and then um, from 
from there, I moved to Washington, D.C. I took my radio talents to D.C., much less of a party in that sense, in the Vegas <laughs> sense. Um, believe it or not, actually, a complete party town. I mean, happy hour at 4 p.m. on Thursday, straight through Sunday. You've never seen anything like D.C. partying, uh, but just not till 4 or 5 in the morning like the Vegas days. Um, but I worked for iHeart there. It was Clear Channel at the time. Um, got really involved with traditional radio, the digital side of it, just as they were really launching their digital b- business. Um, I got recruited to Live Nation from there. Live Nation, I ran sponsorship for three music venues. Very cool experience. Uh, Live Nation is a behemoth now. Not the best press these days, uh, but mm-hmm. I'm out, so it doesn't matter. Um, they Just to see how to reach people in a concert, how big the digital platform was, how much data they had on people through Ticketmaster, um, opened my eyes to that big corporate America. It also allowed me to reach a Fortune 500 set. You know, mm-hmm. saying, hey, I work for a little radio station was a lot different than, hey, I run Jiffy Lube Live in, in D.C. Um, so from there, I met my wife. We met at a bar, so everyone knows the old-fashioned way. Um, And we were going to stay in D.C., and it was just astronomically expensive. Uh, She said, I have family in Atlanta. I said, let's check it out, and we moved down here three weeks later. Um, I started working for 6A The Fan, um, not knowing what it would turn into, uh, but a couple of moves. One, moving to the battery was super helpful. Um, two, just, just realizing the, 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 how many people know this station and know this company and how big the Braves Radio Network was. Um, took my previous experience and kind of combined it together. Um, so a little background in sports, a little in music, a little in radio, a little digital, a little social. Um, yeah. But really the community is what I've learned the most here. To be a fixture in a community is a powerful tool and it's impossible to fake. Um, so that's really what I've got here. So uh, that's my story. I said it would be quick. Uh, turn it back over to you, Trip. Yeah, no, it's uh, quick, but uh, you know, you're uh, you've you've been a lot of places and done a lot of things, which is exciting. And um, you know, I I knew most of it, but you did uh, hold out. I didn't know you were a chef, and so I'm now I'm trying to figure out when uh, when I can grab Nick's other talents and uh, see if uh, you know I'll throw a shindig and have uh, Nick come cook for me. And, my mother uh, my was friends. born in Florence, in Italy. Uh, so, and my grandfather was one of the better chefs I'd ever been around. Um, I don't have a recipe in the world, so don't ask. Yeah, well, that's that's the best type. So anyhow, but uh, no, thrilled to have you here. And I know uh, Kyle, all the things you've done with 680 and, you know, just hitting on, you know, digital and some of the other things that uh, you've been at the forefront of and uh, really looking at uh, uh, everything from a different light. So and, uh, and I think we're going to have some exciting guests and uh, to bring on. And again, we'll kind of we'll be able to mix it up between um, technology and uh, some of the other spaces, the entertainment, hospitality spaces that you've been in in sports and, um, you know, bring that with uh, some of the b2b so why don't why don't we get to that please um we're fortunate today uh, i think so uh, one of your real good friends good but buddy, uh yeah. we have uh joe artimi uh, hopefully i said that right joe you the did. cmo First from time. perkins so uh you know we're definitely going to take a little uh, spin here and uh you know a name that i think most people have heard some are probably uh very brand loyal and then others are going what do you say? Where do I know that name? I, I was know, on vacation in Disney once, and I swear I passed yeah. one yeah. right there with my parents when I was 11. Yeah, so uh, welcome, and uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, and uh, then we'll just dive right in. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Trip. So I grew up um, working in restaurants, you know, starting at 15. I remember my first job was working at uh, Kroger Bag and Groceries, and I was like, never again am I going to be doing that. So um, I moved over into the restaurant industry, worked at fast food for a little bit, worked in um, as soon as I could start, you know, serving alcohol, started bartending, um, opened restaurants throughout college. And I just really liked the energy that you always had in restaurants, Um, whether that's, you know, in the back of the house, working a prep line, a cook line or, you know, serving serving guests. And so, you know, it was always interesting to me. First job out of school, I actually landed at an agency where my first account was the Moe's Southwest Grill 
account. No. So I did all their grand openings for Moe's as well as the other Field marketing? Exactly. Yeah. Started this is that they're expanding pretty quickly, I assume, right? Exactly. They, yeah. they were opening up multiple stores, uh, uh, Joplin, Missouri, places I had never even heard of before, just opening up Moe's all over the country. So that was you know, very interesting to me. After um, you know, they got sold, the, there was a freeze put on our account, and I got put on the National Peanut Producers uh, account. Not as interesting to me. So, um, you know, I knew I wanted to get back into to restaurant marketing. I had the field marketing experience working with franchisees. I ended up over at the Princeton Review, which if you want somebody to, you know, your kids to do better on the SAT, you uh, you take a Princeton Review course or an LSAT course, that sort of thing. Um, did them both, actually, if it, if it counts. Exactly. I did yeah. both of those. Did the just, LSAT, I did both yeah. of them. How'd you score? <laughs> Uh, there were other things that got in the way of my score. It was not, I'm not going to put it solely on the Prince of Review, but actually, no, I did pretty damn, I did pretty, pretty darn well. I'm not going to lie. Okay, uh, it's that happy hour of the night before. You know, you're supposed to uh, go to bed before that, three a.m. when you're taking things. the LSAT. That amongst yeah. other things. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, worked there for a while, and I, I figured out, you know, hey, if if I if part of the perks of working here is you actually get to take these courses for free, let me let me go ahead and take one and see what happens. Um, ended up in business school. And uh, following business school, I, I knew I wanted to get back into restaurant marketing. Now I'm at uh, business school with Georgia Tech. Everyone there is trying to work at Amazon, uh, you know, Google, that sort of thing. I'm like, you know, I really want to get into restaurant marketing. And they're looking at me a little weird. But I ended up at Burger King's Leadership Development Program, their MBA uh, program. I go down to Miami. Um, you know, that, that's a blast down there. But also they had been a, they were run by an investment bank. And so, you know, you're, you're kind of thrown in there. And the folks in marketing down there, they were all former investment bankers, all former consultants. So Numbers-oriented. Absolutely. Yeah. A huge data-driven approach. Um, after my time there, you know, they moved, shipped me out to the field. I oversaw all of the uh, – I oversaw all of the marketing for – basically the marketing as well as the operations and development for 400 locations in, uh, in the Carolinas at Burger King. Wanted to move back to Atlanta. They had moved me around three times um, when I saw the opening with Crystal. I, I jumped at the opportunity. That was a brand I grew up eating and loving. Uh, so, you know, it was a, it's a fun brand. It's exciting. You know, it's still QSR. So um, I, I did that, you know, advanced my career throughout the, uh, the marketing department there. They were going through a sale at the time, which led me to um, join Ascent Hospitality Management, which is the parent company of Huddle House, as well as Perkins Restaurant and Bakery, to, uh, to beloved family. Yeah. And then Alpharetta, right? Headquartered. So right here in Atlanta. Over there off Peachtree Dunwoody. Wonderful. Oh, yeah. wow. Great. Yep. Yeah, right. I'm um, right, right up the road. So, exactly. Yeah, Same uh, no, a tremendous career and kind of uh, how you've. I, I love. Let's go back a little bit. Sure. You said you were both in the back of the house and the front of the house. What uh, lessons, maybe from each side? Because there's a lot of people that early on in their career that really harken back to lessons they learned. Well, I'd say that you can always tell who's worked in the back of the house by how the. You can tell who of the people in the front of the house treat the people in the back of the house who's actually worked back, the back of the house. house. The folks back there that are like, I need a I need my chicken Alfredo. Yeah, I worked at Olive Garden. So yeah. I need the fettuccine Alfredo. Blah. And they're, they're like, chill, chill, chill yeah. the bleep yeah. out. Um, and so, you know, they, there's those folks. You're just like, hey, man, um, these two tickets, whenever you get a chance, I'll be back in 20 minutes. Like that, that sort of thing. You, you develop a rapport with the back of the house. You're always going to get your stuff first. So, so there's a little bit of a That's like that. the old, you can always tell who worked in the service industry by how well they tip. Exactly. Like yeah. I tip well because I was a valet. And walking someone yeah. with a $300,000 car, give you a dollar, is pretty much when a murder-inducing red comes over your face. So I hear you. Yeah. So uh, the other thing is, uh, so you've uh, you know been in the industry, but with different types of ownership groups. So any thoughts around that? You know, yeah, that's I mean, in this general, mostly private equity um, recently. So so that's industry uh, interesting. I've also worked for publicly traded companies. Um, so you know, th there's pluses and minuses to both. Um, I, I would say that you know most of the partners I've been able to work with have been you know very supportive. Um, 
you know, at, at the end of the day, I, I always say we're not we're not doing brain surgery here. Right. Um, we're, we're trying to figure out how to drive more people into a restaurant. So as, as long as you stay focused on that, the, the owners are usually pretty supportive. Yeah, no, I think absolutely. Well, um, definitely want to get into uh, the Perkins brand a little bit. Um, and we're going to do that uh, when we come back from a break in a, in a few minutes. But, um, you know, it's interesting to, uh, you know, to think about what becomes top of mind. I don't know if you have a real quick uh, take us away uh, top of mind thought of Perkins, uh, Nick. Well, yeah, I mean, I remember the bakery. I think one of the things that always stood out to me was the bakery because it's not something you saw every day. So it's like they got you with the get you in and they got you on the way out. You're like, oh, I have to, I have to. Um, so that was probably the, the memory for me of it. And it just felt homely, man. It just felt like it was just like, you know, you're not going to go there. It's not going to be blasting music yeah. that it just felt like somewhere you would go with like your grandparents on a Saturday morning. Yeah, and no, and honestly, like you, you think those things are funny when you're a kid, but that's all you want in life is breakfast with your grandparents. Yeah, I think that's great. So, Joe, we're going to come back to that and get your uh, see how far uh, off or on we are on that and uh, you're listening to the marketing madmen on extra 106.3 don't miss the 10 for 10 dollar produce sale this week at safeway get select produce like large Haas avocados mangoes cucumbers large lemons green red or yellow bell peppers or 16 ounce bags of signature farms baby peeled carrots for only a dollar each also this week at safeway select meats or buy one get one free get items like signature farms 80 percent lean ground beef or 16 ounce containers of jenny o 93 percent lean ground turkey burger patties or italian style or taco style ground turkey buy one get one free visit safeway.com for more great deals Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Job and Nick Constantino here with uh, Joe Artimi from uh, Perkins, a CMO. And so uh, as we were uh, going to break, you got uh, Nick's view of kind of his perception of uh, the Perkins brand. And uh, I would say it's pretty spot on. I think the other one I have is, um, you know, I think uh, traveling, business travel, you know, the... Uh, you know whether it's you, you grab a quick breakfast and then to your point maybe it's pastries taken to the uh, the business account later that morning or whatever. But uh, so tell us what where where's Perkins today? Uh, how far off or on are we? And what to, what are you trying to get across uh, to your potential customer base? You know I was actually going to say that that's pretty spot on. What you said about the bakery is exactly what our CEO says all the time. So Huddle House per per purchased Perkins in 2019, one thing our CEO said was, hey, the name of the, the brand is Perkins Restaurant and Bakery. Bakery's a huge differentiator. Not many folks have it. Um, surprisingly, it only made up 6% of our sales. So one of the big things that he charged us with was how do we actually grow the bakery business? And we've done that. We've expanded it through a, a digital online-only store called Bakery by Perkins that's available on Uber Eats and DoorDash that's increased our bakery sales by about 15%. But that's really the one thing he wanted us to key in on. And we call it a bakery but 90% of what we sold through there was just pies. Yeah. And so, you know, we've added cheesecakes since then. We've actually added cake. We had, we had something called a bakery, but we didn't have chocolate cake on the menu. So, we, so we've oh. added that. Um, and then to your point exactly, you know, d during the pandemic, we really saw a hit for, for things like muffins, things that people were bringing to the office. So we've, we've obviously started to see that come back. So now we look at things like, is it time to launch donuts? We see the growth in the donut category blowing up yeah. entirely. Yeah. Um, we know there's not many providers out there, so we know we can get a good product. The ones that are they're filling, you know, basically everybody other than the two main competitors. So, um, you know, that's something that we're going to be exploring in the coming year. So you absolutely hit the nail on the head with our, our growth platform is, is got to be through the bakery. There's so much that we can do to leverage that part of it that's in our name. Um, and then there's other day parts that we can do as well. And I think the thing that people um, talk about, you know, when they think about Perkins and one thing that's it's it's not surprising, but or 
it is surprising, but it shouldn't be, is the food is just really high quality. When people come there, they're not expecting that much. They're expecting, you know, the food they see at other, you know, family dining restaurant brands. And um, that's one thing that we, when we do our customer research that always comes through, it's like, hey, the food just keeps me coming back, the food and the service. And at the end of the day, if you're doing that as a restaurant, you're going to succeed. Yeah, you don't want to tell marketers that because that's the opposite. Right. Thought. It's, uh, no, 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 the, the, ki- the killer marketing campaign is what yeah. keeps you coming back. <laughs> yeah. You know, I will say, as far as bakery goes, so I grew up in Queens, man. There's a bakery on every corner, right? Sure. Back in the day, the 80s, 90s, even early 2000s. There's no bakeries anymore. And every bakery is like a trendy pop-up bakery that does cupcakes or $16 for four macaroons. And I feel like that old feeling, it's the same thing with like a butcher yeah. and all these things that you used to go to. They don't exist anymore. So you have the platform to have that bakery. It, it just makes sense as a growth as a You, growth you have driver. it here. And, and I, you know, early in my career, I moved out to the California, and Nick's going to remember this, but I had never heard of Marie Callender's. But it's, that is the West Coast version. You know, the Marie Calendars and that bakery and all out there was... Uh, Wasn't same there time a merger at some point in Perkins history? Yeah. Was it Marie per- Calendars? Perkins and Marie Calendars okay. were owned by the same company for a while. There. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, and they, yeah. they merged them into each other. There was some, something that happened. Yeah. I read. I mean, this is, this is me yeah. reading Wikipedia. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, shared, they shared leadership for there a while. Go. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you there it. you go. So, yeah. There you go. We didn't do that on purpose. Shows how good we are. We didn't do that on purpose. You know, speaking of marketing, so... You've seen a lot of it, I'm sure now. You know, I probably try to sell Joe Radio 14 times a year easily, without <laughs> yeah. question. So, but but tell me a little bit about what you guys, what avenues you guys use to market. Uh, does it different by geography? You know, we I remember you talked about Minnesota. Like, I couldn't imagine a more different place than Atlanta than Minnesota. Like, does yeah. it differ? Tell us about what what's worked, what hasn't. Let's start broad, and then we'll hone in as we go. Sure, it absolutely differs by market. Perkins has a really unique footprint. They are what I would call a, a Rust Belt brand mostly. So they, they stretch from, call it Staten Island, over to the Dakotas, and then kind of trickle out west. And they randomly have a presence in central Florida. So we have about 300 locations, but 70 DMAs. That, that doesn't make for really efficient media buys, too. So to your point, Nick, it's absolutely done on a market-by-market basis. And, and what's good for one market is it going to be another. We have, other, we have some markets mostly out west actually that are radio only they, they start with radio everyone's got their digital platforms but it's it's radio is their primary reach vehicle in our in markets like you know minneapolis we can buy the entire interconnect so so we we definitely tailor the media approach by market and we've seen successes um kind of all over the place but that's one thing that you know my myself and, and our team has really done since we came in with our with our great agency is re- revamp the media plans test everything like we're not taking anything off the table. Let's see what what's out there because you know there's a million different ways that you can market right now. We wouldn't be doing our jobs if we didn't at least explore those and see what was working. And I think we've landed in a really good place and we've t- kind of figured out that you know what works for some markets doesn't work for others, and that allows us to build plans that help each of those yeah. stores individually. Hey, how how have you found that? Because when I was at uh, Old Castle and Bell Guard, I mean we were kind of transitioning as well, and that's where I got frustrated with some agencies that wanted to continue to do it kind of the across the board whereas you know saying hey look we have a lot more information and even atlanta i mean we looked at no honestly there are parts of atlanta we didn't want to advertise because the demographic where we were going from it is i'm sorry it's night and day different above and below i-20 here in atlanta so i mean how do you think about that i would say that for for perkins one thing that we're lucky in is in a lot of these markets we only have one to two stores so we're able to locally target around those locations we're not having a target throughout the entire DMA. by zip code but you're exactly um you know we've still got like kind of a direct mail program for the you know perkins customer um they they, tr- they trend older so there is sort of that coupon 
coupon customer that you do absolutely do not want to anger coupon customers, no matter what in- industry you're in. So you want to keep those guys around. Um, but, but yeah, you hit the nail on the head. We, we absolutely um, want to be specific to the area that we're in because we recognize that people aren't probably driving 25 miles across town to a Perkins. So we want to make yeah. sure that we are capturing everybody in our area that we're in because um, we know that you know our, our opportunity is probably awareness within our area. Once we capture those, then we can start expanding And, our and because the food brings them back. So you're getting them in the door, you're using your platform to get the people in the door, and then you're letting the restaurant take it from there. And the research that we have tells us exactly what you just said. When they come in, they are going to come back. Our goal is yeah. to actually get them in. And these are these new media plans that we've been ramping over the last year and a half, which to your point, you know, so the agencies a lot of times are like, you know, this is the way we've done it. You know, we'll just <laughs> knock out all these DMAs. It's like, no, 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 we can take a little bit more surgical approach to this. We, yeah. I got time. Um, so, so working with them on that is, has been a huge help. Yeah, I think two things. One, I think that a lot of times agencies dictate is directed by the people leading that dictate. And obviously sure. you've done a good job to make sure you keep them on their toes because complacency is the enemy of marketing. Absolutely. And if you just do the same old thing, especially with how fast things are changing, uh, the question that I have is, you know, there's two things here. One, by doing a market by market basis, especially when there's one or two stores, it's got to be exhausting uh, yeah. to, to, to approach it out of the way. Um, you know, I, I could imagine being able to do a national buy is just much easier and much more efficient and effective overall, uh, but at the same time, you're losing some of that individual community touch in which I think has become more important, especially because of COVID. So t- talk about the difference between that. You know, it is exhausting to do it, but the benefit of being able to do it on a, on a store by store or city by city or a location by location basis. Yeah, it's, it's funny. So um, our, our agency comes to us about six to eight months before the year starts and they go, hey, we're ready for to start next year's planning. And myself and our um, chief brand officer, who's, who's run marketing for several several years, and and you know now oversees both brands. She's like, I've never seen you know an agency six to eight months out. Is there inefficiencies? I'm like, no, we are the inefficiency. You know, they're they're just getting ahead of it because we're forcing them to do 75 different plans, 75 plans that are tailored specific to the markets. So if you get them started in, in enough time, you can do yeah. that. The problem is if you're rolling up on the end of the year in October, you're like, hey, we need you know the 2023's media plan. Let's go. You're you're going to get a one size fits all. Right. So it's working with them and you know not telling them, hey, we're not ready for this or, or push it off towards later or we don't know what the budget is. You you lay in assumptions so that they can start doing the work ahead of time. Yeah, and then you fine tune it. And and I love what you said about one size fits all. And I and I have to think when we were talking about our perceptions, you've got the you know the families, the local consumers, whether they're going on vacation, etc. That's one of your customers, and I assume Absolutely. your other is a little bit of that business. Um, tell us, do you think about that of your different types of customers, and you think about marketing? Maybe even seasonal, you know, with the the families. Is it spring break, summer, fall break, holidays versus, you know, the ongoing, let's call them the business or local patron customers? And do you, do you approach it differently? We absolutely do. So um, in our Florida markets specifically, we will, you know, bump up our, our weights during the the tourist season. So, so we absolutely do that. And it's funny, um, especially out in the Dakotas, there's a, a huge motorcycle race that, that brings a, a ton of business to those stores. So we do a, a, a huge billboard campaign along the roads during that time, and, and those stores do a, a solid 30% of their business during a two-week motorcycle rally. I mean, if you need I content, I would yeah. just show the Perkins filled with bikers. I mean, yeah. I feel like that in itself would be a content piece right there. There's got to be a TikTok video hiding there somewhere. But I love but, it. You know, every now and then, a great use of billboards and, and seasonal. And, and the beauty is you don't have to buy the billboard for the whole year anymore. You can exactly. buy it for a month or a, two months, whatever you want to do. In and out. Yep. Yeah, and you have awesome. a brand that people know of so it's not like you're putting those those infamous horrible billboards with 67 words when you're driving yeah. 80 that you can't read <laughs> uh, my favorite kind of billboard those are the easiest ones to go after and steal over to radio because but 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 uh, yeah i think i think Seven that's word limit i think that's awesome so l- let's leave let's leave perkins for a second right so cmo 
coveted role, one of those top roles in marketing. Let's do two parts to this. First part, who do you see externally doing a good good job and a bad job in marketing? Um, I've read a lot about Burger King. They're kind of alienating people right now. Prices are too high. Marketing's a little off. Um, but that's a layman's. Tell me about who you think right now is doing a good job and who you think is doing a bad job. And if you don't feel like implicating anybody, you can skip the name if you yeah. need to. Yeah. So um, just you know, use corporate colors. I, I got you. <laughs> so uh, I would say, yeah, actually. So Burger King recently launched, like in the last couple of weeks, it looks like, um, you know, their their new campaign. Um, you know, it very focused on the kind of the, if I looked at the ad and this is like me putting my creative hat on and I definitely lean more towards the data side, but if you look at the colors that they use in these, these spots, it very much leans in on, on their new brand identity. So I, I think that connection is nice. The, the new tagline of you rule kind of plays off of, um, you know, the, yeah, the have yep. it your way as well as the King branding. So, um, I, I think that's interesting where it goes, who, who knows, but I, you know, I at least saw that the last couple of weeks. And you're talking top it. down, you're talking yeah. strategy, all that stuff. It, it, it just, you're, exactly. you see it holistically for yeah. how each piece fits into an overall brand strategy. Exactly. And a, a couple of restaurant brands, you know, I, I still marvel at how, you know, Chipotle was able to come back. You think of a food safety scare, which can oh, be Salmon a death knell yes. um, in, the, in the industry. The fact that they're able to come back and not only, you know, come back because the product is really good, but come back with a message of here's how high quality our food is with kind of what was a somewhat minimal media buy by, by comparison to a lot of national brands. That's that's impressive. And then being able to turn most of those transactions digital, that's something that we at Perkins are trying to do. I think and, that's honestly, I think that's the biggest thing and I'm a big believer during COVID that there are some brands in Chipotle in that space, that quick service, uh, you know, Mexican type space, um, figure digital, digital platform, ordering, delivery, whatever you want. They got it faster. But they also have the capital to be able to invest well, in, in what you're talking about. That stock went from 400 to 12, 13, $1,400. Yeah. Like it was nothing, which means people are just right. giving them free money to invest in the infrastructure to do so. Yeah. I don't think Perkins has much free cash flow to implement oh, no, a no. digital structure as Chipotle does. No, no, no. But I think that was a case of they use that technology to win back share versus, you know, other types of marketing. And the irony is there's nothing that pisses me off more than going to Chipotle and either the door being closed and saying online orders only yeah. or somebody squeezing by to grab one. It's because, like, no, I want to make my burrito with someone looking at me, yeah. looking at it, which shows how freaking old I am. Yeah. 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 Exactly. All right. All right. How about um, this? Then let's talk about well, let's talk one person that you think see doing somewhat of a bad job. And then also what advice you would give a 20 year old college graduate that wants to get into the marketing restaurant marketing space? Yeah, so I, I won't mention anyone by names, but I think one thing, a trend that I haven't really enjoyed or, or doesn't make much sense to me is uh, these these restaurant brands that have dug into NFTs. Um, and, oh. you know, I'm not here to, to debate the merits of Web3 or anything like that. But as far as the actual business value that, that I've seen, um, I, I haven't seen it, to be honest. And I've seen the. That's act because there's none. That's why the market's going to crash yeah, within itself. Yeah. Well, well, you said and, it. and that's, you know, I get asked all the time people, you know, clients or, or even friends that just say, hey, you know, I got this friend doing this or whatever. And NFT is one example. Um, and they say, what do you think? I go, explain it to me. And they can't. And I go, if, if you don't understand it, why are you even thinking about doing it? And look, there's some people who may understand it or whatever, but to me, that's the golden thing of marketing. If you don't understand what an agency is presenting to you, you shouldn't probably be doing yeah. it. I mean, it's it's a press it's a press release fodder. That that's it, it goes out on a press release. People see it, it, get, it gets a little bit of coverage, and then it goes away. And, and that's that's not an ideal marketing um, campaign. So yeah, th that's a, a trend that I'm not necessarily understanding. But we'll see if that ends up. Uh, 
Yeah, all you're doing, an NFT at simplest form is a deed for a good in which you're trying to dictate some sort of value. And like, if you deed something that has value, the NFT is a value. But if you're deeding a a graphic art that someone puts on the internet, it has zero value whatsoever. So you're deeding something with no value. And they're trying to drive value and perception of value by saying the word NFT, which which is just absurd. Now, I've seen a trend where the NFT people that realize that they over they they charge too much are offering perks now. Like maybe your NFT gets you to 30% off Perkins by mentioning an NFT. There's a value proposition there because that returns value. 30% off is something you're only giving to someone. You make your money up front and now you're using this as a permanent yeah. coupon. And there's a difference between showing an NFT on a phone and waving a coupon. So I okay. see that that's where I think the space yeah. is going to evolve to. But I agree. And I think I know the company you're talking about. None of that was thought out. They just thought it would be cool <laughs> to slap some celebrity on it or something and just go out. I mean, that's like McDonald's. Yeah, an, the agency, an agency sold them on it. I mean, that's and, and, probably. And, but, but to Joe's point, they probably sold them on it six months ago right. when this was something that was worthwhile and trendy as to where something the market's already imploded on itself. So there's also advantage in being somewhat current with it. All right, what about advice to a 21-year-old, 21-year-old little Joe getting out of Georgia? What advice would you give yourself about getting into restaurant marketing? Learn data. Don't don't be afraid. Uh, don't be afraid of Excel. Uh, you know, yeah. be be willing to kind of get in, get into the numbers. A lot of people come out of. of you know, some of these journalism schools or some of these advertising schools, and they think, you know, marketing is, is all about, you know, creative and activations and, and the kind of the, the, the sexy stuff. Um, you know, you mentioned B2B. Uh, I, I think, you know, if you can get in early and, and learn some B2B before you get on the consumer side, I think that's that's a win. Oh, thank God. Uh, that's music to my ears. I mean, you yeah. truly, it's, uh, you know, look, I spent a lot of time at KC and Kimberly Clark, and, yeah. you know, we had people who wanted to be on Huggies and all that. And I said, well, y- you can be, but you're going to learn promotion. And then two years later, you're going to learn pricing. And then two years later, you're going to advertise. And where it's B2B, honestly, you learn all five Ps. Exactly. And, and so, you know, that, that's one thing I would be as much as you can, you can gain on digital, uh, that, that's also um, what I would learn. Understand the business drivers. Understand what drives sales and profitability of the company. And, and if you could do that, not only – and don't limit yourself to marketing. If you see an opportunity to, to move over on the operations side or, or the finance side – Learn those. You can always come back to marketing yeah. if you're good at your job. It's so, something we talk about all the time, the line oh. between sales and marketing. Exactly. Yeah. If you learn how to sell something, it's a lot easier to learn to market it. Absolutely. And, and vice versa. If you learn how to market something, it's a lot easier to sell something. Don't be afraid. I think that's the it's, best. Don't, don't, be, don't think marketing is black and white. Don't think you have to be in it, one field. Get your bearings and understand why you yeah. need to market a product. Because, well, again, you're marketing yourself every day. It's holistic, sure. and it goes back to what you said about early on, being in the front of the house and the back of the house. You have a relatability exactly. and understanding. So one of the P's we didn't talk about uh, is product. And I think Perkins is doing a lot of really neat things, and you've kind of expanded your product offering a little bit. So why don't you tell us about what's what's changed in 2022, and uh, we'll maybe dive into how you went about that. Yeah, so, um, you know, I mentioned the bakery items, obviously, and one of the things that we are in the process and about to roll out into test is um, a beer and wine menu. Um, and we've got beer and wine, actually, in a couple of stores. A lot of Perkins are um, located next to hotels, that business traveler that you, you talk about. Um, so we've got beer and wine in a, in a couple stores, but it's it's not an actual program. You know, I'm out there uh, visiting these stores on on business, let's say, and um and you know we're I'm going to all these stores and they've all got I, I go where's your beer and wine menu? What what do you have? And they go oh it's right there on the bakery case and it's five beer bottles just sitting on the bakery. <laughs> so there's no actual beer and wine program, but we actually pulled the numbers and we find out that these are these are incremental transactions. We know that beverage sales took a hit during COVID. Um, you know, people are more people are ordering to go. So, you know, they're not attaching beverage to the to there at all. So how, how can we bring back the beverage program with, you know, high margin items um, and alcohol is one way to do that. Um, now, we know that it's not just beer and wine that we want to sell in our location. So, you know, we've got great partners at Coca-Cola. We've got Coca-Cola Freestyle 
um, in our locations. So one of the things that we're developing is a mimosa menu. And we are, to, you know, to, we were kind of refining that. Our, our wonderful chef out in Memphis is working on those. And, um, you know, we'll be launching those in test in, in January, mostly in our Florida locations. But, um, you know, seeing how that test goes, we can then talk about rolling it out system-wide. It's not exactly the easiest in the world to get these licenses. But, well, especially the time yeah. of day which you're serving. I got to imagine yeah. breakfast is a busy time, and you don't want to sit there drinking 44 mimosas in a, in a, in a, in a, next to a church in the Bible exactly. Belt. Yeah. So I think that there's probably a – but at the same time, I'm shocked that as a, a company turning a profit that you guys haven't implemented that strategy because you're right. That's a profit driver ultimately no matter what. Yeah, and, and so, you know – the, the licenses make it prohibitive in, in some locations. It's I, I was blown away by the cost of, you know, li- liquor, or not liquor, but beer and wine licenses is state A versus state B. Oh, right. you're paying off the wrong person. There's a guy. Yeah. There. It just requires a, it just requires yeah. unmarked bills There's under the table. It's very yeah. easy. So, in, the, in the Dakotas, no problem. Exactly, yeah. So, uh, you know, that, that's one of the things that we're working through. Um, but, you know, we're, we're excited about this platform. At the end of the day, we're, we're just trying to grow our margins. And we do – our busiest day of the week, bar none, is Sunday. Um, and so we know that there is that that crowd that comes in the 11 to 4. And a lot of times, you know, you, you see some of the competitors out there. A lot of them serve alcohol now. Um, and so we'd be remiss if we weren't at least exploring it. Yeah. No, I think, uh, well, there's a process. I mean, so what you're going about is a process. And a lot of people Long don't process. think about it with new products. I mean, it's research. It's strategy. You've kind of done that. Um, so... How about the development? So as you started going into that, um, you know, the development and uh, maybe the positioning, how do you how are you thinking about that? Those are kind of that middle steps after you've gotten your base. Exactly. So, you know, the initial research is, is this something that, that people want at Perkins? And we know that it is basically for certain occasions on on weekends, middle of the day. We know that people aren't going to sit there and even pound three beers while, while they're at Perkins. So we're, we're kind of safe on it. We want to be safe on that end. Well, um, you didn't know that Nick was coming. And so, you know, we, we wanted to make sure we have the, the right products in place. The, the Perkins customer, as you can imagine, isn't necessarily an, an adventurous one. They want fun flavors. They want fun names for actually their drinks. We know that based off of a regular menu. Um, but we, we're not going to be doing, you know, mango, passion fruit, yeah. none, none of that kind of they're stuff. They're not drinking mezcal. Oh. They're, exactly. they're not trying a new Peruvian pico, like right. yeah. pisco. But, yeah. you know, a, a, a cranberry mimosa, that's something they might try. Yeah. So so we, we're, you know, going through the process. We've culled our list kind of down to a handful, and we're putting them through our, or, you know, our research vetting process. And then we, we you know, they, we see what the actual customer says about these type of flavors. Uh, and then, you know, that's kind of how we look at positioning it. So when we roll it out, you know, we look at kind of the colors that can go together. We look at how, um, you know, what the names are going to be. Like a lot of the names on our menu, it's going to be, fu- uh, you know, fun-named fun. items, but also just kind of hit home that these are mimosas. They're not going to be, you know, specialty drinks, anything yeah. like that. I wonder yeah. how in that process you differentiate yourself, though, because that seems like the pr- everyone that's trying to do the beer, like all the other quick-serve restaurants, they're doing a similar thing. How do you differentiate then? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, the, the names are going to be one thing. We know that that's a differentiator for us as well. Give and us a th- teaser. Give us an idea yeah. of a name. Give us one. Just an idea of what it would be like, because I'm curious. Names are very important, but like, how whimsical can you get? Give us an idea of how you would name something. Honestly, I, I, don't, I don't even have them yet because I'm waiting on that that to come back. We know we're all right. We're, so you're going to call one the marketing madman. You have yeah, to now. So it's it's just going to be called. Well, see the other one. <laughs> I, and I know not a bad name. Positioning. You know, this Mano- billboard. Mimosa? This billboard the in Mad North Dakota. You know, with the bearded and inked Harley rider. 
and his mimosa. I don't think that's going to work, but it would no, be the marketing madman mimosa, but uh, I don't think that will work. The, the bearded Harley guy <laughs> with yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, the good yeah, thing the about a mimosa <laughs> is you can dictate how good the mimosa is by how much champagne you pour, so yeah. don't sleep on the mimosa. Well, they're they're going to come in the uh, the pre-poured bottles, so uh, they, that's, how, <laughs> that's how those are. It, yeah, no, it's... It, you know, I think one thing that we're, we're really noticing are the colors. People are saying, you know, I love the I love the colors, the way that they look. Um, you know, that's the one thing that we say. We know that the customers want them. Um, now it's just a matter of getting the product right. And, and you mentioned yeah. it. The stage gate process we've got for this is 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 long. Um, you know, we've we've worked with we've talked to or several different distributors. Some things aren't tasting right with the the items that we're trying to um, put in there. You know, we take great quality. We take great pride in our food. We're going to get this right. It's it's. I mean, we wanted to roll this out a few months ago. We Right now, there's certain things that you know. If 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 we're seeing the customers not liking it, no matter. And I see this with it with anything I've tested throughout the years. If it needs to go, it goes. I yeah. can't get attached to any product. There was one of these mimosas I absolutely loved, um, and it just we couldn't get the taste right. So right. we're not going to roll them out until we do. I mean, the first Perkins came, was 70 years ago, right? It was the 1950s, yeah. from what I read. So if yeah, you yeah. waited 70 years, you could probably wait a little longer exactly. to get something yeah. out there. Yeah, do, yeah. do it right and uh, make sure that uh, you know you're not putting something that's going to. Uh, you know, hurt your quality. Exactly. Yeah. You got it. Well, um, you know, I, I can already see uh, sunrise something mimosa. So, uh, you know, especially down in Florida and some of your other locations. So I, I have a feeling that, uh, you know, again, what's the emotions? Because that's what it sounds like that uh, you're trying to to uh, to hit on. I think the re- relaxing is the thing yeah. that, that you want to hear about. You know, you've just had a busy weekend. You're, you're Sunday. You've got the family in for Perkins. Sometimes you just you just want you want a, a beverage yeah. with your meal. And so that's the kind of thing that, you know, we're, we're trying to hit on, capture that emotion. We want it to be just a relaxing break with your family. The, the kids are having their fun drinks. We've got, you know, however many thousands of, of uh, combinations that the kids can have on the, the freestyle. Why not give the parents a few more options? Let's, uh, let's relax here for a minute. We'll take a break. And you're listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. And we'll be right back. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Job and Nick Constantino here with uh, our guest, the CMO of Perkins, Joe Artimi. And, uh, you know, I think uh, you gave us um, uh, a little bit of an idea with the uh, the beer and wine that's coming up. But uh, what else? What? How do you envision? I mean, it sounds like you're making a tremendous change um, for uh, uh, Perkins. What else do you envision in the future? What do we what do we think about? You know, we're we're constantly looking at ways. I think the we're constantly looking at different ways to grow ch- sales. I'd say that one area that we are under indexing, even the the family dining space right now, is digital transactions. And we know that's just not a, a function of our, our guest and whatnot. So that means there's something that we can be doing better to to you know capture those transactions. Um, and so you know we've got a robust online ordering platform, which is basically becoming table stakes in the industry right now. Um, the next thing that we're about to test and start exploring is our loyalty program. It's actually, um, you know, in in test right now in about 40 locations. We're about to launch it in about 10 more um, down in Florida. And this is just a, a, you know, a perks program. And this is one thing, you know, we talk about where, where kind of the industry is going. I think that you're going to see a lot of, um, you know, you're going to see basically a lot of copycatting with some of these yeah. loyalty programs. They're all over the place right now. You know, you get this many points, you get this reward, that, that sort of stuff. 
Um, you know, ours is a very simple, um, it's like the old school punch cards that you'd get at, yeah. at a lot of places. You know, you, you visit Perkins three times, you get X amount of dollars off of your next order. We want to keep it as simple as possible for our guests and just a consistent reward that they know that they're going yeah. to get. But it's a value proposition, yeah. right? I Absolutely. mean, you, you, not everyone wants to discount, right? You don't want to do coupons. So by providing that value club and perceived value, one, really all you're doing is pushing loyalty, which is why it's called the loyalty club. Yeah. But at the same time, you are offering a value proposition and promotional asset that doesn't require necessarily discounting. Right. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's that, hey, they do think a little bit about me. And let's exactly. face it, I would say some of your key competitors, um, the reality is, you are within a mile radius of your key competitors. So if someone makes that kind of last-minute decision, are they loyal to the Perkins brand? Exactly, yeah. We, we want to basically increase our frequency, you know, get that customer data so we can better target them and, you know, send them stuff on their birthday or say, hey, you know, you've ordered, you know, this many breakfast entrees. Try a dinner entree for X amount percent off on us. Um, so, you know, we, we want to make sure that we're capturing that. Um, this is another one, much like the alcohol thing. we got to make sure that we, we get it right. Um, you know, you, you don't get to run out a different loyalty program if you screw up the first one. So uh, we want to make sure that, that we're doing that right. But we think that's a big way to grow our digital transactions, as well as, you know, we're launching a new brand campaign here um, in a couple of weeks, actually. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, it's going to have a specific pr- component and call out to our online ordering platforms. We want to make sure that, you know, people are going to our website, um, placing their orders there. There is a benefit to it. You do save a good bit of time. You can pre-save your your specific Perkins orders, which we know a lot of people have the same order when they come to Perkins. So there are benefits to that. We want to make sure that we're driving those transactions. Yeah. One one question I want to ask, uh, a lot of brands do go down the influencer route and there's some benefit and then there's some negative to that. And there's been a few recently with some of the influencers, some brands, and we won't get into them, have chosen and all of a sudden things turn south for those people. But um, I have a sense that that's probably not what really uh, relates to Perkins um, customers. But how do you view influencers especially within yeah. the restaurant industry it, it's a it's an it's a crazy trend right now and um you know i actually think that um you're going to see more restaurants at least try it that makes a whole lot more sense to me than the nfts to be honest um i think if you look at um kind of the wall burgers model uh, like is there a possibility because if you look at the creators out there that are um attaching their name to say, you know, a a skincare brand, something like that. Could you have somebody do that for um, a a restaurant brand that kind of doubles as a lifestyle brand? For instance, would the next version of, say, a a Shake Shack or a Crumble Cookies, would those be influencer brands? That's the thing that I'm going to be most interested in. There's a company out there right now called um, Virtual Dining Concepts that does uh, Mr. Beast Burger. Yeah. And and that exists on DoorDash and Uber Eats and the delivery stuff. Is is that something that could be leveraged into free But that's a brand, though. They're trying to make – that's the NFTs you're talking. They're trying to make the Beast Burger one of those brands that goes beyond just the food also. Exactly. And can it exist outside of the delivery apps? And my personal thing is it can if the food is good. And every time I've tried one of those brands, it is overdone to make a quick ROI. The food is not good. The consistency is not good. They don't have the, the professionals in the operational part of restaurants to go do this. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's the end of the, the, the product has to be there. And you're seeing it. I go back to that skincare industry. The, the influencers that are working on that, they are they're very in tune. They're not putting their name on anything that that would denigrate them at all. So sure. I think that in order for this to ever work in restaurants, it has to be a good product. It, it can't yeah. just be slapped I, up on there. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm going to guess this is not my this is not a, a completely come from anywhere. But 
when KFC came out with the Jack Harlow meal. My, yeah. my thought is what they did was they decided they're going to take X amount of goods, market up a dollar, give Jack Harlow 50 cents. Everybody wins because everyone right. who didn't realize that that's the exact same thing with this guy's face on it. And by the way, I don't even know what a Jack Harlow is. I have no idea. <laughs> you don't I, even saw, know. I saw him on game day about a month ago. I, I, yes. I really uh, did I'm know just saying, before I'm that. gating myself. I don't care. Yeah. But, but if you're going to get 50% bump, you're going to give him 50%. Everybody wins. There's yeah. no risk involved. And ultimately, you're just testing. And again, I think in an upward economy, it's easier. I think in a recession, it's going to be a lot harder to do that. But I don't think those things are as detrimental as paying an influencer to go out and blast social media, which I think is the ultimate downfall. It's really got to be a yeah, partnership, exactly. strategically partnership. done, and you got to have a strong brand. And they can't be overdone. And I love Shaq, but let's face it, Shaq is everywhere, especially in the yes. restaurant industry. And I mean, there's a point. I think he's oversaturated. And, um, you know, but, but he's safe. He's one of the few that are safe you know there's a lot of them that boy all of a sudden the skeletons come out exactly and, and you know what, what you mentioned about the the celebrity meals at, at some of the qsr i view that almost as kind of just a new brand campaign like it, back in the day when they would have just had those people on commercials now you get them on commercials you get their three favorite things it's a simple meal that operator it's nothing way off the menu it's a simple meal that the the folks in the back of the house can actually put together and slide out the door the fans think that they're actually ordering what this guy orders right. when he goes to KFC. Yeah. Right. Uh, so it, to your point, it, it really is a win-win for everybody. But when it, I, I want to see if we're going to see actual celebrities attaching their names to brick-and-mortar locations because that's when I think it, it gets real. And I've got no clue if that's going to happen. Uh, dude, uh, honestly, like think about this. How many times have you gone to a celebrity chef restaurant? In the past 10 yeah. years, the nature of the business has changed so much, right? I mean, they are not – the esteem that they used to have when they first started has just fallen to almost nothing. I mean, yeah. besides Spago by Wolfgang Puck, which pretty much started the yeah. trend. And, I mean, there's been times I've been gone to Emerald's restaurant. I got to try it out, and it is just awful. It they is just closed so frequently. Well, because unless you're going to the original, I mean, that's my you know, oh, unless the original Palace or Emeralds, of or course, or Vegas. Those I mean, because thirty years they've been there for. I'm yeah. just saying. So, Joe, this has been great. Yeah. Uh, it's t- it's the fun time now. Now you get to do your gratuitous Perkins pitch. So ultimately, you're in Florida. You're driving to Tennessee. You're in Savannah. Why would you stop by a Perkins, and what would the experience be like? Hey, you know, I would say you know. 300 locations across, you know, 32 states. Um, you know, there, there's some a, a little bit for everybody. Um, hey, you anything you want there, I guess, except for beer and wine now at most of the locations, mm-hmm. but you know, soon to change. Uh, you know, we've 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 got it for you. You you want a, a good hearty home style dinner? Cool, we got that. Um, you, you want you know simple breakfast, something for the kids. Um, senior menu, we have that as too. So if you're traveling with grandma, it's a, it's a good stopping point. Um, you know you're gonna get you're gonna get great service, and, and we're confident in that. You're gonna get great food and great service. And at the end of the day, when you're going to a restaurant, that's kind of what you're looking for. So uh, you know we 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 pride ourselves in that. You know the the tagline that they've had for years, um, the culture that's instilled at a server level is kindness served daily. Um, and that, that really actually, you know, it sounds hokey, but it, it actually comes to fruition when you come to a Perkins. So, you know, that's why co- folks keep coming back to us, and that's why we're happy to keep serving them. Yeah, and so yeah, then great, you've man. got uh, the muffins to take to your client and the, uh, you know, pie or uh, chocolate cake now. Uh, yeah, yes, so that's uh, a good point. What, what's, what's your favorite <laughs> thing on the menu? What's your suggested order? That's important here. Let's do, let's do a breakfast and a to-go pastry, please. Okay. Um, for the to-go pastry, I, I, I'm going to say one that's actually coming out. This red velvet mammoth muffin. We've got Ooh. red velvet mammoth muffin. It is, it is, it is. I can vision it. I really truly yeah, can it, that, it. that will be testing here um, very soon. So that, that one is a, is a no-brainer. And then the other one um, we've got currently in stores for about another month, pumpkin spice pancakes. That, yep. that, I mean, simple, you know, bullet to the brain kind of stuff. Everyone's doing it right now. It's a, it's a unique recipe that's special to Perkins. It's been there for 30 years. Um, that, that's I feel favorite. like so that's got to start out are, more. Are you going to do the peppermint uh, spice uh, holiday pancakes? 
Something no, like no, that? no, red velvet. It's the next pancake. That's okay. that's the one we're going all out. Okay. Like at that's some point, pancakes. pumpkin starts in this. By the time yeah. you get to this time, everyone's done with pumpkin because yeah. everything you have has got pumpkin. It's got a pumpkin yeah. flavor. I, I'm going to a Perkins tomorrow. I'll be ordering the pumpkin. Yeah, you, yeah. Let, awesome. you let us know how it goes. Joe, we'll, 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 uh, we'll check it out. So, uh, Joe, thanks so much. It's great to have you on the air, and Nick, uh, uh, great to have you now permanently. So, uh, it'll be a lot of fun. And next week we'll be back. And you've been listening to the Marketing Madman on Extra 106.3. Don't miss the 10 for $10 produce sale this week at Safeway. Get select produce like large Haas avocados, mangoes, cucumbers, large lemons, green, red, or yellow bell peppers, or 16-ounce bags of Signature Farms baby peeled carrots for only a dollar each. Also this week at Safeway, select meats or buy one, get one free. Get items like Signature Farms 80% lean ground beef or 16-ounce containers of Jenny O 93% lean ground turkey, burger patties or Italian-style or taco-style ground turkey. Buy one, get one free. Visit Safeway.com for more great deals. A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.